0: Now it's time for therapy with Kate and Carl.
1: <laughs> I love the fact that we're just starting and I'm three beers in. So this is gonna be a real, this is gonna be a really epic episode.
0: yeah. I'm like sipping this because again, Rose yeah. acidic, but I'm not about to I'm not about to be drinking red wine while we have this conversation because I will be suicidal by the end of. <laughs> conversation if I drink red wine during this discussion because that will just send me flying to depression hours
1: Oof. oh my god I can't wait I want to hear everything
0: I well so Carl do you want to do you want to yeah who are
1: we, by the way like I'm Carl Bono. I continue to be I'm Kate Royal <laughs> and this is broadcast revisited hi folks and today we're looking at Olive Kittridge. Olive Kittridge, 2014 HBO, based on the book by Elizabeth Strout.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I'm, I'm that pretty one. sure that's I right. Um, she came out with, a, in 2019, she came out with a second one called Olive Again. So I'm like, oh, how oh do I need to read all? And it's like the same sort of format, like a bunch of short stories that is like built into this novel.
2: Huh.
1: yeah. So now I'm like, oh, not only do I have to read Olive Kittredge, I have to read Olive again. Yeah. Please and thank you. I love that. And it's like a f- four-decade journey through this woman's life. Uh, this main um math teacher, then retired math teacher, housewife, um, who's really acerbic and really, really um, kind of cold, shows her empathy for people in a very weird way. In like a very, like, you wouldn't expect it from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. but I feel like, like Kate definitely knows. And I, I have grown up with like around a lot of olives. Funnily enough, not my own mother. Same, right. Her mother is a bit of an olive. And so are we, are we, are we just like showing the world one more way where we're like way too similar, Kate?
0: Well, it's the same, but it's my, my dad's mother. My dad's mother absolutely is like an olive kittredge um his sister who is completely estranged from our family is like the version of that that has zero empathy that is just purely cruel um so yeah the royal family has like tough women in it but
1: yeah staunch i mean we've talked about the similarities between your aunt and my sister.
0: Yes. That's I mean, that's just a taste of where this conversation's gonna go. Uh
1: <sighs> but it's not all bad because actually no, the- I think it's that this a is really good show. I mean it's one of HBO's, you know, better miniseries. I agree. They keep it to four episodes. Each one is an hour long. It's not like a massive time commitment. Yeah. Um the stories are all really interesting. The characters are so well thought out, and mm-hmm. so like, um, you you see them grow, and it makes sense. It's it, it it very much feels like, oh, I could have lived in this town. Like I know I know why these people behave yes. the way that they do. It yes. seems just very real. It's Whereas, so like, Mil- specific. It's very, so like, lived in. Like camp, uh, like a kind of operatic quality to it
0: yeah yeah I think I mean I think both of comparing this to Mildred Pierce I I do think it's they're very similar to me in terms of like that era of the HBO miniseries like exactly it's
1: and with the Carter Carter Burwell score I was just like, Carter Burwell score come on <laughs>
0: well and also like it was interesting to me so this was written by this adaptation was written by Jane Anderson, who is a great screenwriter. I think the thing that I am most familiar other than this from her, is she wrote on Mad Men for a very long time. um, And was like well into her career when she wrote this. Uh, So she's certainly, she's no slouch. Uh, It's a gorgeous piece of writing. And then they got, a great lesbian filmmaker, Lisa Cholodenko, to direct it, Yes. Um, who she directed The Kids Are All Right, which is a great movie. Um, Very different from this. I mean, both kind of like observed family dramas, but like Kids Are All Right is like much more broadly comedic in a lot of ways. It's not this very, like this was very interesting to me from Lisa Cholodenko because when I see this, I don't, it's, when I see her, I don't expect this level of like, like all subtext, really quiet, really internal. She's, when I think of like, the kids are all right, especially, she's really great of like showing really human and honest uh, bursts from people, you know, like, you have that unbelievable, like, she can write the crisis, you know, of, like, people in crisis, which is what is so great about The Kids Are All Right, is, like, this marriage is completely in crisis, and then it culminates in Annette Benning having that unbelievable speech. Um, so this is really interesting for me, because this feels way more close to the vest. I think, like, even now, when I watch this miniseries, I'm like, I still feel like, like I feel like I have to read it in a really, really literary way that I just haven't mm. done in a long time. Mm. Um, but there's so much going on in it, and it's saying so many things without like letting you know that it's saying those things. You know, yeah. it's just I, my favorite thing about this miniseries is Francis McDormand's Emmy acceptance speech for it. When she won Best Actress. She's very famous for giving like one-sentence award speeches. And this was no different because by the time she won for it, um, like Lisa Cholodenko had already gone up and won. Like this, this won everything in the miniseries category that year. Um, so Jane Anderson had already given her speech, Lisa Tolenko had given her speech. So by the time Fran McDormand got up there, she was like, her, her speech was basically, you know, my colleagues, Jane and Lisa have already thanked everybody that needs to be thanked. Uh, and she's like, we're all here to tell a good story. Hmm. And sometimes that's enough. And that's the cool. whole, that's her whole speech. And that's what the show is. Yeah, It's just a good story. Yeah. It's just a good story it's very it's just about the people it's about it is like it is slice of life in the most pure way yeah um and obviously she's fran mcdormand and to my mind is like you know the greatest living american actor Mm mm-hmm You know, I'm sure everybody, like, I'm supposed to say Meryl Streep, but at this point in their careers, I'm more, I'm more interested in what Fran McDormand is doing in her career right now.
1: Even Meryl Streep wouldn't say that Meryl Streep, like she's said that, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm clearly not like, you're not looking at, you're not looking at the landscape. Like if you think that that is the truth. Right. Um, No, I, I agree with you. I think that it's, it's funny on like second and third watch. I got the comedy that's embedded in this piece way more because on my first watch I remember just being like oh my god this is so like like astonishing and like real and like kind of heartbreaking yeah like even like the good stuff is kind of heartbreaking and it's yeah. all kind of sad um but <laughs> that's then watching it like the second or third time. And you just see these like little twitches or these little looks. Like, I think the very first one is when she, she comes in and turns off the classical music and she just sort of like opens her, like it's not even an eye roll. She just like opens her eyes really wide and like turns away from Henry. And I was like, that is something we have all done. Right. Like someone that we love, like- behind their back so they wouldn't see our faces but just like oh my yeah. god yeah It's like then I started noticing more and more of those moments like throughout the piece
0: yeah no it's so it's so
1: it's never like gut-bustingly funny but it is genuinely funny no
0: but it's like y- you chuckle at some things and even though they don't land like jokes it's like it's what it's you're describing you're like oh god I know that the funny that experience. Life. Yeah. But it's not like, for a show that is so focused on the nature of mental illness and depression specifically, it doesn't get bogged down in that, you know? It's very much sort of about the mundanity of those things. Right. Uh, and it's, when I watch it, I'm like, this is saying... Ultimately to me, this is a story about the about generations and about how shit gets inherited and tried, you know, it is about trying to understand your parents, you know, as as most great art is, frankly. But it's so much. I watch this and I'm like, yeah, this is. Like, this is the boomer mentality. Like, this is how, like, what do you do with an entire generation of people who, like, refuse to examine themselves in any meaningful way and then just, like, have, and then they just have children.
1: Yeah, someone who thinks that the cure for deep, deep depression and mental illness is put on a pot of coffee and eat some vegetables.
0: Right. Right. Go for,
1: go for a drive.
0: Yeah. Change the, change your, the wattage in your light bulbs.
1: And they set that, you know, they set that up so beautifully in the first episode. Yeah. yeah I think, it, yeah, I, I think you're completely right. And I think that it's, it's also a, it's an examination of the different ways that people deal with their mental illness, especially their depression. Yeah. And you know, Christopher's clearly depressed His his wife Dr. Sue is Clearly like OCD narcissist like You know all of those th- there, there are so many things being thrown around Yeah The gang's all here. Cool.
0: Yeah and I do like how It doesn't then show Christopher or The children in that Generation which I think I'm, I kept trying to figure out the timeline mm-hmm. Of like how old everybody is supposed to be Because it starts yeah. in like the early 80s It seems Yes And Christopher it's is like
1: literally Like 1980 because that Olivia Newton John song um, okay. From Xanadu Because I was like at first I was like Is this the 70s or the 80s and then the piano Player played the Olivia Newton John song And I was like so it's at least 1980
0: Yeah but Yeah then, it seems uh, it's early eighties, if not just 1980, cause it is that kind of thing that makes so much sense from a design perspective where like people in this type of town and people of like Olive and Henry's age, like they're still wearing clothes from like the sixties,
1: mm-hmm. you know?
0: So like all of the fashion is still very much seventies, yeah. which is what it would be in like a rural Maine town right in the early eighties. So yeah, the specificity of that in the costuming and all that is, is also great. Um, so you have Christopher, who is their son, and he's a young teenager, he's like 14, maybe in that yeah, first the episode.
1: In like, they're in like junior high.
0: Oh, okay. So he's like 13, like yeah. yeah. So by that timeline, so he's growing, he's a gen Xer. Mm-hmm. Is that Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because then, when he gets married, it's like the it's like the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Or m- early nineties, mid nineties. Must be. When he marries Doctor Sue, the first,
0: yeah. Because by the time we see catch him up as John Gallagher Jr. in Brooklyn, mm. which is so theoretically what's supposed to be like.
1: Like early two thousands. Yeah, like, right,
0: because that was the thing where it's like, this isn't present
1: it, day. Well, and especially because of the stuff that she deals with at the airport, it's like clearly post 9-11.
0: It is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's like an older Gen Xer. Yeah. Um. So his parents, so Olive and Henry are like the older end of the baby
1: boomer generation they're like the children sense, right? of like the greatest generation.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Right. Which is why Olive's like approach to things is very like you can tell she was raised in like the 50s instead of like yeah. going through the 60s and being more of like a politically minded, you know, she's she's exactly. surprisingly yeah. liberal for like a white woman from Maine. <laughs> right. But, um But she's also not like a, you know, you could not at all call her an activist. No, God, no. Yeah.
0: But it's that generation where depression and things like that are not talked about, are not addressed in any way, and manners and politeness Mm -hmm. rule the day. You know, like, those are the most important things. Right. But I think what I was saying before, I was like, where, like, what thought thread was I on? (laughs) Um, Sorry. No, no, no. That Christopher's generation, they don't really have the answers either. And I think, like, this was the thing where I was watching it, where I was just like, you know, like, I've been to therapy, I've, I've, I've gone through therapy 3 separate times at different points in my life where I felt like I needed it. Like the therapy I've always liked the most was my most recent therapist who uses an approach that is like my goal is not to sit here and like unpack your life trauma with you. Like like we're not here to like excavate your past. Mm-hmm. And figure out why you are the way you are. I want to find solutions to the problems and conflicts you are having right now right. in your life. Yes. And let's look at behaviors and what you want to do with those behaviors and who you are in the present. Because there is a real limit to the value you'll get out of just excavating all the things and pain you feel about like your parents you know mm-hmm. like you have to think about ultimately how that will serve you and i don't mean that to dismiss like there are people who like who do need to uncover that trauma and who do need to reckon with it to help themselves better understand who they are in the present moment but like i think this show does a really incredible job of like showing christopher as this adult who has so much blame for olive who has so much animosity for olive and so much righteous anger of you fucked me up and i am irreparably damaged and all my relationships suffer like i am a broken person because of you
1: well it's a very it's a very like 90s like gen xer view of things like a very like um rent and reality bites like i hate my parents okay like you hate your parents who also like provided a very safe world for you to grow up in and resent them <laughs> like yes olive totally like abused him <laughs> uh physically and verbally you know
0: she physically abused him when
1: well he talks about it. like you hit me, mom like you've you've Oh
0: yeah.
1: And she she slaps him when he um when he calls uh what's his face trash. But oh, he yeah. alludes to like more of that happening than we see on screen. Got it, yeah. Um, but I feel like his his, like you said, like he has this kind of like righteous anger against v- their whole generation,
0: right? And it's this version of that self-examination and this use of the tools and language of therapy where you you only get as far as identifying it right and you don't do anything with it you know that like she comes to visit him at the end and i don't even remember what the big dust up is that he like throws her out and it is this it does seem like this sort of like
1: well, because she slaps his step kid.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, she does.
1: <laughs> but but again, like, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean I. I'm not trying to both sides of this or anything like that. But like, no, those kids. Maybe I am. yes for as a fucking kid, fucking was awful. And right. when he called, I keep wanting to call him Henry, but I'm like, no, he's he's not yet another henry in this bevy of henry's um so many
2: henry's
1: you already have two uh uh rosemary dewitt's kid
0: oh um
1: kevin kevin and he calls him trash and like i would i I mean i don't know if i would hit my kid but i would definitely be like we're talking about this later that kind of like through gritted teeth like yeah dad yell i'm sure i would probably do um what i mean
0: yeah well it's that very difficult thing where it's like
1: strong arm (laughs) right
0: and it's just that very hard thing where it's like you want your parents to have known better you want to Mm -hmm.
2: believe
0: that they because it's like you know any argument about like oh they're from a different generation when you're talking about like bigotry or like those kinds of belief systems that they have you're just like don't fucking give me that. There were people in those generations who knew it was wrong, you know? So like that, it that falls apart the s- second you put it under scrutiny. And a lot of that is true also of these kinds of very, mon- what they consider very mundane forms of abuse that now we look back on and we're just like, oh God. But like that that prior to basically the 90s, The idea of embracing mental health Mm -hmm. and mental and and like wellness and any kind of introspection in that way was not masculine, was not necessary, wasn't productive. Like you hit your kid,
1: you hit your kid.
0: And like, that is not something Olive would ever look at and say, I abused
1: you because she- well and she didn't even remember it when he brings it up she she's yeah. like i would never hit a child and he's like you literally did and you just did like
0: yeah no it's ugh, it's hard and it's like there was a great she it made think about me about
1: it as hitting
0: right that's just like what you yeah. did
1: she thinks about it as like dis, like that's discipline
0: Right. And there's always a threshold of what was worse. You know, there's always like, you don't even know how bad I had it. Like you, like that right. kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it is just this constant refrain of just like, we're always just trying to be better than the last generation, but there's this flavor now with Christopher where it's, we now have to punish the previous generation and make them know how wrong they were for all these different reasons
1: well and because like the whole reason he invited her to new york was to like get free babysitting out of her you're okay so your cold mother from maine is difficult don't invite her to your fucking brooklyn home to deal with like rabble of children that you now take care of like
0: right well and he gets on his high horse to her about like i invited you here to try and mend our relationship. Meanwhile, he spends that entire trip like being an asshole to her.
1: And he's like never there.
0: He's never there. He's He makes zero effort to actually mend that, to even engage with her.
1: He throws her into an environment with a bunch of people she does not know. Right. And does not care for <laughs> Which, and I'm not blaming her because she, I do think she's genuinely far too judgmental of like, anyone that christopher brings into his life right but again you chose to go there you could have made up any excuse to not go yeah the dad is it just had a stroke i can't leave him like that's a very clear but she goes right so it's it's all of that you know they're 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 both sort of wishing for some sort of like cathartic thing to happen but the second she wants to shut it down and he wants to push it further than it needs to actually go
0: right yeah and neither of them they maybe both want the same thing but the thing that is the same between them is they are both you know and you see this a lot especially with him as a teenager that they both like have that that what am I trying to say? That like
1: mean streak, that, like that mean judge-
0: streak, that what? judgy mean streak. You know, they have like, like
1: oldness to them. Yeah, and like, like when- there's that
0: moment when he, uh, when Henry buys Denise the kitten, and like we, I mean, we need to get into the Henry can- of it all. The Henry uh, it all. But like, God, and like without missing a beat. <laughs> This teenager is like, you bought the mouse, the cat? And like, he laughs and he turns to Olive and she laughs and he's like, nice one, mom. You know, like they are like in cahoots with each other in these moments. And even like at the wedding, there's that moment when they're in the kitchen and she's like stealing some nuts because she's so fucking hungry. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: he is like, you know, they're looking out the window and there's this like, silent recognition between them like he pushes back against everything she says but you know he agrees with everything she's saying and he's like i'm so fucking hungry i'm i'm gonna have some of these nuts that my mom has like stolen
2: and right. we're gonna I
1: mean, like see if she if he goes no i'm okay i don't right. want any
2: right a- but he <laughs> takes the nuts
1: Completely different. It's a completely different relationship, but he takes the nuts, and it's and there's there. I think even the first like dinner scene, there's something that he says, and all or either Olive says, and he laughs, or she says, and Olive or and he says, and Olive laughs.
2: Yeah.
1: And but and you're totally right. It's like there's this like there's this like bell of recognition that goes off with them every now and again and it's like yeah we're both kind of like stubborn judgy cold people
0: yeah yeah and I think part of why she like disapproves of Dr. Sue and knows from the jump that this isn't gonna work is because she can see the fakeness of her niceness where it's like no you need a fucking sap like you need pie in the sky. Yeah. Person. Cause he's like, you're like me. You are not like your father. Like you are an unsentimental motherfucker sometimes. And yeah. like, you need someone to counteract that. So I think like when she goes to Brooklyn and meets this like woo woo wife that he now has, like She's the Henry now, and so I um, think even though Olive is like, oh, this like house is not very well kept, and this woman is like having a beer while she's pregnant, but she, she has, has this, this whole baya like, like, can I yeah. call you mom? Like Henry absolutely calls his mother-in-law mom, you know. Like, so I think even even though Olive is like, I still don't think you quite get it, Chris, but like, yeah. you're 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 closer to it now at least, but yeah. And then it's very sad when he just sort of torpedoes the relationship right. because he he just decides you'll never change. You're still fucking me up. You're now you're going to fuck up this kid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But like even in the car, he's like, God, this little four year old is a f- piece of shit. I hate this kid <laughs> who is his stepson.
1: Right. Well, and they weren't he they like didn't he didn't even like kick him Kick her out. Oh, God, I think that the Christopher fight is happening right behind you.
0: This is part...
1: Is that Christopher?
2: Or no?
0: Oh, yeah. It is. It's not the one in Brooklyn, though, but it's the one where you actually really do see like Mm. the very, like, oh, my God, every member of my family does this, where whenever he is trying to, like, express... Like, Um, no, mom, like you need to take accountability for how you treated me and how you are treating me right now. Like, I am upset. You have said something that is cruel. You have done something that is cruel. The problem with him in this scene is he's asking her to be held accountable for like his entire life. And she's like, babe,
1: I'm not going to do that.
0: I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to act like I was a shitty mother. Like you can right. like, that's for you to believe that's fine. But like this refusal to, to face that accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, But she turns it around and she just like starts crying and is like, I just lost my dearest companion. I just need somebody to be nice to me. And it just instantly becomes this like emotional manipulation of like, you can't, Like he's saying legitimate things, right? but she won't hear them. And she immediately makes herself the victim. Right. I know that game well.
1: We've seen it. (laughs) Mm,
0: That's the boomer way.
1: We have seen it.
0: Yeah. But yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess we started with Olive and her son.
1: I love that. Yeah. Cause you really can't go like piece by piece with this. Otherwise it's just like, go watch, the, go, go watch the show.
0: Right. You know? Which also like just do that. It's short.
1: Really do that. <laughs> really, really actually do that.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Something I'm interested in though, the book gets apparently a lot deeper in with, I mean, each of the characters clearly, but like the piano player and there's like a whole short story about the piano player, and I'm like, oh my god! Now I really want to read the book. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's I like my favorite it. element of this miniseries is Martha Wainwright uh. as the the lounge singer at their favorite restaurant, and like that's the un- that's another thing that I'm like, yes, this is so fucking true. That like this couple and their two friends, who obviously is endowed Dowd, uh. How could because it there's that? no world in which Ann Dowd was not going to be in this miniseries. Right. Honestly, uh,
1: there's anybody who was like, probably up for the role of Mildred, and then Frances McDormand was like, I'm available.
2: Yeah. But. Um. Yeah, the fact that
0: they go, they only go to the one restaurant. They have one restaurant that was true of my grandparents. That is true of my parents. Mm -hmm. They, for my grandparents, it was the turf for my parents it's the 76 house. That's the restaurant they go to. And it's always the same people there. And like, that's, I love that. Cause I'm like, yeah, if this was, this is like my parents, if there was like a, a piano player there, they would know her by her first name. And like, she's just there. She's Angela. Uh, But yeah, it's Martha Wainwright, which I just like, I just love that it's Martha Wainwright, who I don't think acts. But she, and she mostly is just there to sing, but she's just this wonderful little device that marks the passage of time because we see her get older with them. And I love just like the little detail of like part three, when she's like, you know, she's older. And now she has to have the mug of tea on the piano with her.
1: Uh, well, and then she I, goes
0: to the old. She's like the piano player in the old folks home.
1: Right, right. And I, oh, this is a scene I'm actually very interested in talking about with you. Oh I yes, like yeah. Um, this was
0: like there's a couple moments in the show, and I'm just saying this to put a pin in it. Please. Um, also, Carl's pointing out the miniseries is playing on my TV behind me, so we're oh, sorry. Yeah,
1: I, I, you can't see what I'm seeing.
0: I know, I, and I feel like I feel like that's going to like ping pong our conversation as scenes pop up as someone playing in the background. Uh, Um, But yeah, there are these moments where it becomes quite surreal. Uh, Usually it's when you're in the POV of someone with like a very severe, I I guess I shouldn't say that. Like, you know, I don't want to like quantify mental illness, but like, you know, like Kevin,
1: is having pretty vivid hallucinations.
0: Right, like he, yeah. what we understand about him is that he inherited his mother's undiagnosed like bipolar schizophrenia, basically. Um, So there are these moments where like you see some very surreal stuff, but this particular scene between Olive and this other neighborhood woman whose son, Olive used to teach and we see him in the first episode who then goes on to become like a, like a rapist like he like commits horrible crimes and like oh, murders he women
1: kills kill somebody
0: yeah uh she ha- she has this scene where she goes and sits down with this woman and has a visit with her and then we get like Olive's nightmare about it yeah it's very interesting but anyway Put a pin in that. So we've talked about. Christopher.
1: I mean, we really dealt. We went into the deep end of like. This is what it means. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Examine mental illness from a generational standpoint. Like we went hard. Right at the beginning. Can't we just talk about how cute Zoe Kazan is? (laughs) Oh my God. I am obsessed. I am obsessed with her 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 delivery of this role. Volk production and dialect work. Five star. Physicality, five star. Like economy of like twitchy quirky girl realness. I mean it's all she certainly
0: is capital Q quirky girl.
1: But in like a good way. In like a very supportive way. Yeah, no, it's way. not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh
2: yeah. She's very I think she like I
0: think she's great. I think that she's character great. is like wild. And like so Henry, who is played by the just gorgeous, as always. Oof. richard jenkins daddy he's so he's always just so good mm-hmm. he's really he's like one of my favorite character actors and he's so perfectly cast in this
1: well he's like literally always at his best when he is paired with like and this is my crazy wife yeah. like we've seen it in witches of eastwick we've seen it in six feet under we've seen it here like
0: yeah yeah yeah, he's great also in um, the movie of the
1: humans. Oh, play. Huh. how is it? How literally how is that?
0: I have to watch it again. I watched it. It was like on TV. So I didn't really kind of.
1: Interesting.
0: It's good. It's very. Slow. Yeah, you know,
1: that was like one of the only recent, you know, you know how very much I'm like, ooh, let's take this thing, blow the dust off of it and like, f- figure it out. Like, The Humans was one of the more more recent plays that I actually like got like, quote unquote, into.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the movie is good. Um, You know who's great in it? Amy Schumer.
1: Amy Schumer. Who does she play?
0: she plays the older daughter she plays okay. like the lesbian daughter
1: okay tight
0: uh she's great and so is beanie feldstein um yeah i was like okay amy
1: yeah so we're all, i think we're all supposed I'm, to hate her but i'm yeah. bummed that that got such a sort of like eh.
0: i know i was surprised by <laughs> that because it was such a <laughs> buzzy play. Yeah. Yeah, it kind
1: of came and went. And like the ending of that play, I remember being like, oh, this is my shit. Of like that sort of like we're on the borderline of like magical realism yeah. and like religious trauma. Like, yeah. like I was just like, as a Catholic, like this is very much my shit. Right,
2: right.
1: As a former Catholic, a recovering.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, Richard Jenkins. So he plays Henry Kittredge, Olive's husband, and he's the local pharmacist. Very sweet, very sentimentally Garling. sweet. Garling. Just a just a lovable guy.
1: Yeah. Who, who would want their dad to be that?
0: Like, right. Right. Come on. Completely. Yeah. Um, and the thing that i love so much about the writing of that relationship and the performance of that relationship and also the directing but like there is this edge to him and there is this sort of like
2: there's this real ego to him yeah
0: that olive sees and that's the thing that olive finds most attractive about him Mm -hmm. she doesn't like his when he's like plucky henry she knows there is this other side of him
1: well and she kind of disdains that like performative niceness exactly And and happy 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 she says it a couple times happy 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 yeah and it's like that sort of thing she yeah. thinks you've got to be an idiot to like walk through life being like, Oh no, everything is wonderful, right? Right, Na-di-da. and I
0: Which think I- that's like <laughs> what's so smart about the way this is written is that like a lesser show would just be like, Oh, he's he's the sweet one who tempers her cr- like crankiness and cantankerousness, uh but the show takes such care at so many points to make it very clear why these two people are together Mm -hmm. and why they make sense together and why this man would ever marry that woman and And why this woman would ever marry that man, you know, and they have these people that they encounter, uh, that seem the better matches for them, you know, like in so this is like kind of all in part one,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where there's this English teacher, yeah. Mr. O'Casey, played by another unbelievable actor, uh, Peter Mullen. Um, he, you know, he is like smoking
1: mm-hmm.
0: Scottish.
1: Oh, oh, he's Scottish. I'm uh, sorry, oh, to be Irish.
0: Well. Maybe he's Irish. Yeah, he's
1: yeah. And he like quotes, you know. Yeah. Robert Frost and John Berriman or Yeah, like,
0: he's always you know, like writing lines of poetry on napkins and the bar and like,
1: you know, he's bath.
0: this very serious man. And he's this man who is interesting and mysterious and has this sort of it's not a cynical worldview, but it is.
2: He's like the, the
1: artist. He's got like yeah, the soul.
0: Yeah. And Olive is so captivated by that.
1: Yeah. Um, He's very Byronic. Yes. And, but has, you know, a wife and a house full of little O'Casey's. That's right. Which one of whom we meet later.
0: Right but we like is he like that's like the question.
1: I know like his name his name is Sean O'Casey right? I don't know. And in like the first episode he's saying he says he does
0: have a kid named Sean.
1: Like oh little Sean. And I'm like, oh, yeah, if this is not the same motherfucking and and for some reason, he knows he's like, oh, you're the mother like he and I, of course, I'm 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 getting way ahead of myself. But I wanted to talk to you about that moment because I was like, is this just like one of those funny kind of like novel things that people write in their novels? Or is this actually literally Casey's kid?
0: It, that's really interesting yeah no he's theo stockman is the actor sean o'casey is the character name and so that's like that definitely is fascinating i mean
1: i mean or i mean that's clearly not especially for an irish family that's not a that's like you know no
0: that's john smith that's like
1: you know tony del bono bobby del bono like there's a fucking million of us yeah like, <laughs>
0: That's really interesting, though. Um, but yeah, no, there's so she has Mr. O'Casey,
2: uh-huh.
0: who's this like brooding, interesting English teacher. Yeah. And then for Henry, he has his new pharmacy assistant who is this young woman, Denise, played by Zoe Kazan, who is just like all teeth and glasses and shaggy little bangs and is just like the most like, oh, Henry.
1: <laughs> She's so thin and she just hunches over and it's just sort of like, she keeps My saying Henry's. like,
2: Henry's. Oh,
1: Mr. Kittredge. Uh,
0: and just, no, Mr. Kittridge.
1: <laughs> it's like, One of the most unbelievable portrayals, and of course, she's partnered with or married to my who I think is like the most underrated actor, Paul Dano, even though he just played the Riddler in that new The Batman. And it's like they just they literally just said to Paul Dano, like, do whatever you want, yeah. (laughs) So all he does is scream and cry, yeah. (laughs) Which, as an actor, I understand that, uh, the impetus of that, but um. Anyway, she she is like throwing her entire pussy into this role.
0: Oh yeah, full commitment. Full commitment. But that's what she does in everything. Even you see her in like Revolutionary Road or like Oh my God. Any like minor role, she's she's fully and the thing is like she does make it work. But it's and it's similar to how Paul Dano acts too, I think, where it's just like,
1: so what? She's the granddaughter of Elia kazan yeah. or like the granddaughter gr- granddaughter granddaughter crazy yeah, yeah. but this is, is like nepotism that works this is like when nepotism right. and she's like no i'm a full-blown actor like yeah yeah try to stop me
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah but she always in any piece like this and it's similar to what she does in revolutionary road where it's this very kind of, like, low-key, very brooding, you know, subtext, subtext, subtext.
1: Tonal piece.
0: Tonal piece. And it's, like, we're talking about the internal crises of these people. She's, like, no, I'm going to do a big fucking accent, and I'm going to, like, play it at a 10. I'm still going to give you all that internal shit. (laughs) But subtlety never met her.
1: But don't you think that people like that, like, cause she seemed so, that seemed like a very honest portrayal of like a person to me.
0: Yeah. But I think, I do think her performance, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's, a del- I think it's why you cast her right. in it. That it is that everybody really sort of stark like contrast.
1: That, but nobody talks like that like she does in this.
0: Place. Right. I mean, it is. But th- that's the thing where it's like, you have to understand why Henry loves her and why Olive can't fucking stand her.
1: her. <laughs> like when she gets her driver's license and she rolls down the window and she's like, I pass, I pass," And it's like, nobody This is says Mr. Whiskets. Everybody- Everybody would have said past, but she chooses to say I passed. Uh no, she has the, the full K-trade. New England
0: accent. And Dow passed. also
1: really goes for the
0: accent. She's someone who's like literally at before every line, she's like pock the cod, hop and yad.
1: <laughs> this is one of like the rare instances where and doubt's vocal choices does not make me want to no, turn it works.
2: It eyes works.
1: I ears out. Yeah. Um because boy oh boy a lot of the time her like especially but i think that it makes sense in the handmaid's tale because you're supposed to hate her yeah that it's it's all just like (laughs) and i'm like could you focus on a vowel like once (laughs) add a little weight to the vowels babe yeah. I, can, I I get that you understand that your Rs have to be curled and that your consonants have to be chewy yeah. and gummy, but yeah. But boy, oh, boy! Anyway. But the
0: thing that's so smart about what Zoe Kazan is doing is it sets up for that great moment where it all kind of collapses, like where because
1: completely, you, and
0: there's a couple of different versions of that. So like, she when
1: he's like, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I. That's what it all builds to, but like her whole story, you know, she pulls up, there's a great moment before we meet her when, so the first, the woman who has worked in the store, in the pharmacy just has a stroke on the street and dies, which foreshadows what happens to Henry. And then it's a worse tragedy because frankly, Henry doesn't die. And that's, that's just hell. Um, but so there's this scene at dinner where he's like telling the family that this woman has died. and Christopher and Oliver are like, "Are we supposed to have a reaction to this?"
1: That's what it was. He goes he goes, "Who's mrs. Granger and 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 Olive like looks at him and laughs. And yes, it's, that, that's like the first moment of like because they of course, they know because they've heard Henry complain about her, right. Like all these years, right. And and now she's dead, and he's trying to sort of be like something horrible happened, and they're right. like, "Come off joke. it, you don't like her, yeah. like yeah." Anyway, sorry.
0: But in that in that conversation, Olive is like, "Well, good. Now you can hire some young thing who treats you like a god. Won't that be nice?" <laughs> and he doesn't take offense to that. He, he's no. like, "He goes, yeah, yeah
2: it will, it will
0: actually." <laughs> And that's what I mean I where it's like, there is that side. side of him where he has this ego and he he needs his masculinity validated
1: in this kind of way. I can um, fix it. Oh, I can be there. Oh, I can I can lift that. I can carry that. Yeah. That's the function he, you know, he's like the opposite of um um Bert Pierce. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, who's just like <laughs> Don't make me carry anything nude with.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, Bert. Oh, Bert. We do love Bert, though. We,
0: do, we love Bert Pierce. We do
1: not love Bert Pierce. Um, to, hell to hell with
2: her. Let's get Stinko.
1: To hell with her.
0: <laughs> um, But yeah, no. So. Uh, then Denise answers. And she is exactly that girl, you know, she just thinks he is, you know, she rolls up to the pharmacy with her husband played by Brady Corbett. Lovely. Um, Lovely Brady Corbett. And they're like all over each other. They're so in love. They're so sweet. These are just two perfectly matched young people, young lovers.
1: Um, like the relationship that comes like once every hundred years where it's like I respect you and I think you're fun and you're cute and I want to fuck you but also I respect like we can have you know what I mean yeah it's like perfect blend of like we're goofy and stupid but we're not like terrible people
2: right
0: well and it's like And that can't there's no There's no point where Henry looks at them and is like, oh, I remember when Olive and I were like that. Like, no. you know that couple has never been that kind of gooey lovey-dovey with each other. No. And then Henry, and then young Henry dies.
1: And he only ever looks at them as like, he like looks on and he's like, oh, like very approving. Like he finds it very, he finds them both like very amusing. And then yeah. Henry gets... <laughs> shot.
0: <laughs> Good shot. They go hunting together. Woof. Oh, and there's that amazing scene, the dinner scene
1: uh-huh. of the
0: two couples. And like what I was saying before about how much care this show takes to make us understand the totality of this relationship between Olive and Henry that they do not shirk on the sexual aspect of that. Mm -hmm. which I think most shows would. I think there's an easy shorthand with this couple to be like, oh, they definitely don't fuck.
1: No. damn, they do! Well, and it it takes sort of like this weird kind of like, not coaxing from the outside world, but it takes this sort of like weird, like almost like she has to be kind of threatened and he has to kind of be like titillated in like a certain way. And then she comes in and she's like, he hops trains oh yeah he comes back filthy dirty I have to take all his clothes off and hose him down and like he hears that and it's like this is like her love language of like she's joking clearly but like this means that she's like feeling some type of way and yeah and and she reads it the same way and wiggles out of the room yeah like shaking her tush and I was like Come on. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. There's like, you know, so you have like young Henry and Denise talking about how what a great hunter Henry geez. is. And then Richard Jenkins Henry is like, oh, I'm a great, I I track, like I used to track, and I'm really good at at that. I know
1: when a doze and eat. Girl, you better hose <laughs> me down before I and Olive like- is like, Daddy. I'm like,
0: again So there's like, it's this moment where he shows that flash of rugged masculinity that she is so drawn to about, like, it's that kind of thing where it's like, she, and again, it's really specific to a generation that sees gender in that kind of way, where it's like, he is such a man in her eyes in that moment. And, he, and probably- he knows it and he like, they are, yeah. It's, it's this full recognition of like, that is my man. And I, you know, and then she like t- says that little bit of just like, what do you like to do, Henry? And all of is like, oh, he yeah. hops trains. And like, it's, so does that. And it's just like, she's seducing him but he's already started the seduction by telling this little story. And it is this sort of like, you think these two little young lovers who like clearly are fucking all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we we're no slouches. Mm-mm. And like, yeah, no, it's
1: it's a great moment. It's a great moment that I oh that he is put surprising. In, he, probably, he probably put in like a ton of work to get Olive to say yes. Like, this was not like a, oh, let's go to the dance and then we'll, like, you know... Yeah. Ten years later, we'll have a kid and, like, whatever. He probably had to put in, like, a lot of work. Yeah. And she finally saw, like, that there was something about him. Yeah. And the way that they show the intimacy in the sex scene is that Olive is, like, giggling while she... Climates, is that the word? Climaxes? Clim-
2: yeah. Climaxes? <laughs> climates.
1: Well while she acclimates. Um yeah. while she climaxes, she has this like she's like, ha ha. Like yeah. giggle instead of yeah. like, you know, some sort of weird, like porny, like or this way.
0: very kind of like we're just going through the motions kind of well, thing. She's
1: not silent or and she doesn't she doesn't care to be silent. She like right. Christopher's bedroom I think is in like the upstairs of the house their bedroom is on the first floor even though their bed is like wooden and creaky as fuck they're like going to it and it's like I mean I think that you and I probably dissect intimacy scenes a little bit more like than a lot of people just because there's a lot there's always if it's done right there's always a story happening so it's like he's sort of like behind her and she's yeah. her, like, arm, and then when they like both climax, she still has her arm like up and around like his head, yeah. like as they like relax out of it. And I was just sort of like, this is like the most sort of like pure joy we ever see her like allow herself yeah. to have. And like the most she ever kind of like leans on him for, cause like, you know, there are other scenes where he's like, I love you. And she's like, you sure do. And like, and like he hugs her and she like bats at his back with her like wrists. Yeah. Cause she's because she's, she's know, like got she's mulch. got potting soil on her yeah. hands and doesn't want to touch his clean jacket. Yeah. Like yeah. she's she's so the similarities between her and Mildred, where she is sort of like her hands are her life, she works with her hands she's very utilitarian she's very kind of like the the prices of everything are always kind of like milling around but like it's great to see her in that moment of like intimacy with henry where she sort of is like i'm going to giggle and i'm going to be like you know girlish if yeah, that's like if right. that's like an okay word to use it's
0: this very it's a language of intimacy that i think is really true to those people and i think it's really again like it's really true to that generation where it's like this
1: only under the covers, only with all the lights off, only in bed. <laughs> but
0: it's just like, I, I am a woman and you are a man.
1: Yep. Take me.
0: Yeah. Take me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great scene. It's a great scene. I always look, I always forget about it. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. They're gonna like, cause it's like, it's so hot when she says that thing about the trains.
1: Oh my god, it's so hot. He comes back filthy dirty. I have to I have to strip him down and and wash like, him off, or something like yeah. that. The, the, the yeah. But it's dirty.
0: done with the kind of like unflinching, unsentimental, nothing in her inflection is seductive. It's no. just like it's just she the what it. she's saying in this way. And then she looks at Henry like, I'm gonna make a fucking meal out of you.
1: And he goes. Oh, tonight's the night. Like,
0: yeah, and then like Denise is like, "What? That's so Are
1: you kidding? Are you serious?
0: And then he's like, "She's just pulling your leg, Denise." But even like, it's like we're in on this together on all these levels. Nobody
1: speaks this language but you and I. Yeah, like the idea of you being like this rugged, like train hopping, like hobo,
0: basically.
1: Yeah. Man, and yeah. for
0: a, for a relationship where the dynamic, where Olive is clearly the more.
1: She's the dom top. She's the
0: dom top. She's saying like, I am going to let you take me. And that's he, what I want. And that's take, who she's attracted to. Like even with what's his face. Okay. Oh, Casey.
1: she knows that he would just <laughs> pull a fucking
0: <laughs> ragged
1: that. She, yeah. 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 Well, and all the things that he says to her, like, in, in privacy, you know, when he drops the apple peel on the ground and she goes, aren't we the brat? And, like, you're just like, oh, my God, why am I getting, like, kind of horny over this, like, old couple like who knew francis mcdormand
0: could make me so horny
1: why is she such a dom top and and i'm going yes mommy yes (laughs) yes yes queen like ruin me zaddy um Mm. but and then and then he, he and he has that like robert frost poem which she like she laughs at at first because it is sort of like oh my god that's so overdone but then he keeps going and she's like oh fuck this is exactly what I want and <laughs> then when Henry uh, young Henry dies he says something to her after the funeral and they're like sharing his, you know secretly because she they, none of them like smoking um, in the Kittredge house but she takes a drag off of his cigarette and he, he says something about like nothing makes people you know no, nothing makes people question Life more than when like a young man in the prime of his life gets struck down like I, I'm, yeah. I'm not quoting it but it's it's something like that like yeah nothing yeah. unsettles people like the death of like a virile young man yeah and she like looks at him and just like takes a drag off that cigarette and it's just like this is the kind of connection this is the kind of um, conversation that she needs always needs to be having with people because yeah. clearly the um, talk about casseroles and math homework and da 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 drives her insane.
0: Yeah, but then by contrast, and again, we're kind of bopping around because that's what you have to do with this. But in terms of like the truth behind all of that is that moment when they're like that crazies sequence where they're like being held hostage in the hospital in part three. Oh my god and it all comes out you know like her and henry in this sort of pressure cooker situation for some reason this is the moment they choose to really because they i guess because they think they maybe are about to die so like let's just fucking say this shit to each other finally yeah and they talk about his strange relationship with denise which i do want to get back to
1: i know i'm so Um, sorry
0: no no no. i'm fine i just like i want to i'm saying that for myself of like put connect that thread back to what yeah to where that relationship goes um but when he's when henry is like i can't remember exactly what he says but he's like were you ever was there ever anybody else or like you would have never left me or something like that. And she is like, I tried to, but he's dead. Mm-hmm. And he realizes she's talking about Ocasey. And he like, hears that, registers it and bursts into laughter and is like, you wouldn't you have would lasted have two weeks with that man. His mm-hmm. drinking would have disgusted you
1: yep and he's not wrong
0: and she starts laughing too and she's like well what the fuck were you gonna do with little denise Denise, the
1: mouse
0: mouse?" and they're just like laughing together at this like
1: (laughs) so brilliant
0: it's so great because they're 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 both completely right right you know and in that first part they're so generous with each other in those relationships because they understand the need it's fulfilling. You yeah. know, he's he's jealous of OKC. He doesn't like that it's happening. But when OKC dies in the car accident and we cut to Olive alone in a bedroom, just like screaming, sobbing into a pillow. That she's clearly trying to be as quiet as she can, but she also cannot control.
1: There's nothing. The she
0: grief, can do. like she's like, I I can muffle it as much as I can try into this pillow, but I just like I need to empty my soul right now. Yes. And he like opens the door a little bit, and he sees her doing that. And Christopher is behind him, and Christopher I... is like,
1: "What the fuck? What
0: the fuck is she doing?" But Henry just like closes the door again, and it's like
1: let her get it out. Just just let, let, her, let her do this. Let her you know? let her yeah let her let her rip.
0: Yeah, and with Denise, as things carry on with that, Olive just sort of rolls her eyes at it and makes fun of him about it. But she's never actively jealous. She's never like he's not going to leave me for this girl. I understand. I understand this little crush he has on her.
1: Well, and that was like the thing when she says like the, oh, here we go. And you almost are like, is she saying here we go because she thinks that it's like the beginning of an affair? But then she says, just make sure she doesn't strip the gears on our car. Like, yeah, of course, you're going to teach this, you know, now after everything, you're going to teach this girl how to drive. You're not going to leave me for her. Just make sure she right. doesn't strip the gears off the car. <laughs> and yeah. the whole um he feeds her like the stew and she's like you guys have fun. I'm going I'm not fucking watching this anymore. <laughs> I is like, like
0: D- disgusting. Also so... this
1: stew took me like 4 hours to make. Um you know okay, remember my horrible short story? The mother Stop
0: saying it's horrible.
1: It's so funny because the mother that Christopher like dreams about is inspired by Olive Kittredge. But in my vision, she was a nurse instead of a math teacher. And okay. she has um cold, sanitized, like nurse's hands. Mm. Like that's that's where I got that image is I was like, oh, yeah. she's this like cold New England woman who's like, get up, go do it, get but yeah. you know put your hands to something and make it, make it something else. If you, if you're not busy, if you're not using your hands for something, what are you doing?
0: Yeah. It's a very Um, Mildred Pierce thing too.
1: True. True.
2: Yeah. But no. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But if you, if anyone out there ever, if I ever do anything with that, and if you read my terrible short story, um, you will notice that I, that is like the mother of Christopher is like heavily inspired. And I just am now realizing that her son's name is Christopher as well, Um was heavily inspired by Olive Kittredge.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um But do you wonder, this is a question I was just thinking of when we were talking about her being like, oh, here it goes, or here we go, whatever it is. Um, that coupled with what she says before denise gets hired where she's like oh now you can hire a young girl who treats you like a god there's part of you that wonders like oh he's had this kind of crush before
1: Mm -hmm. totally
0: he's like not in like a creepy way but he's a flirt you know he's like the flirty old guy who likes when young women think he's dashing and chivalrous (laughs)
1: You know, so Which I just think- why that that scene with the cards and like the yeah. the early two thousands girl, and she's yes. like, I don't care, and it it, it yeah. comes off as creepy because like she's not reacting in the way that he kind of like would assume, like a young right. woman would act like. Right. Oh, card she's father. not charmed oh, yeah. by him at all. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Like I guess I should. Yeah. Oh, da 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 da. da. And she's not at all having it and it's like so uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's not Denise. And it's creepier with Denise. Like well, that no- dynamic isn't isn't creepy in and of itself, but there is like it's just the thing that I don't know. I react to it the same way Olive does, where I'm just like, oh God, like...
1: Like, cool. You have, like, a... Turn it
0: down. Like, you're kind of both spanky. so, like, saccharine, mm-hmm. sickly sweet. And then it escalates to him feeding her little bites of food at the table. And if I was like, Olive is like,
2: I
1: but need to go. Left-
0: <laughs> I need to get out of this room, because you two are... Wild.
1: <laughs> but see, like see, I completely agree with you. Seeing it from like Denise's point of view, like nothing would make me flood my basement than like a man taking care of me like that. Like
0: But the thing is like the but the thing that's interesting about Denise him. to me is that like she doesn't she doesn't reciprocate Henry the way he thinks she's reciprocating him. Like she's not
1: she gets close though especially in that final when after she kills the cat (laughs) yeah in that scene where she's in bed there 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 are many moments where I mean and maybe I'm just reading it from somebody who's like got daddy issues and like wants somebody to like take care of me but like there are many moments where I'm like oh my god she's doing that to like get him to like do something more like truly see
0: i never i never read any of her oh i kind of response to him as sexual and i because to me that is what like there's that great moment where i i do think like obviously there's a huge paternalistic thing about it but i do think that is what she is mostly getting out of it of course there's that moment where he comes over and he sees that I can't think of his name like Tom the the
1: dude who killed
0: the dude who killed Henry Henry has been like
1: helping her around with right
0: he's come over and he's like working on the truck and Henry is clearly threatened by the presence of this new young man
2: Harry. And he
0: like goes inside with Denise and is trying, you know, and is like, well, just don't do anything. Don't put yourself in harm's way, basically. And, and she- there's this amazing moment where it all sort of fa- like the, like really, really like childlike elements of her. They don't fall away completely. It's not as if she's like taking that off, but she like, she turns to me she's like, Well, of course, Henry, like, I'm not a child. child.
1: And it's like, it's like, instead of this sort of like cooing, sweet thing, it's like, oh no, you're actually talking to like your daughter who would like tell you, you know, at 16, 18, 21, I'm not a kid anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and that's not the relationship that he was like expecting.
0: Right. And I, and it's like, I
1: bother this woman enough, she will like probably fall in love with me, where she has been seeing him as like a dad. But I I do, I do think that the moment with the cat, there, I'm like, she could, she, she, there, if I was her in that moment, I I don't, I maybe don't remember that scene where, She's, like, in bed, and he, like, gives her, like, he gives her a pill and, like, gives her water, and she, like, drinks it out of his, like, hand. And it's, like, very Uh kind of, like, that's, like, even more so than the stew. It's, like, if I were her in that situation, that is me being, like, yes, daddy, like, come on, bruh. I'm already in bed, like, and you just gave me a pill, like, come on. But anyway, yeah. That's just me because I'm depraved and I have daddy issues.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's it's an interesting moment when she when she is like, I'm not a child, because it calls him out in this really like he's and so he embarrassed. Almost
1: dropped away.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, a real shift.
1: She almost like loses the whole like affectation of like the oh Missy Kittredge, like yeah. that whole thing.
0: Yeah, but it's just like, stop babying me. Like, mm-hmm. and why are you, do- it's it's just suddenly she has turned the lights on in whatever this relationship is. And he is like very uh, suddenly embarrassed by it and by his own behavior because she's yeah. like, am I your daughter or do you want me to fall in love with you? Right. And it's both. And it I know is- that it's both. So you need to leave right now. Yeah. Because I would sooner marry that guy who killed my husband, you know. Yeah. And then she ends up married to Jesse Plemens. Jesse Clemens Which- is in this.
1: And I swear to God, every time I start the show, I'm like, oh, he's playing, <laughs> like he's playing somebody with like developmental disabilities or like. Different. Oh, that character? Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, he's not? Like, every time that they do the scene where he, like, comes back and they, like, they're like they married and he's, like, a total dick. And I'm like, oh, he wasn't, like, like, I hate to say the word, like, slow. But, like, he, is he not playing him as if he's, like, isn't yeah. he playing him as if he's, like, slow? Or, like...
0: It does seem know. that way at the very beginning.
1: Does yeah, in like the first two episodes,
0: but it's kind of just like he's just that guy, he's just not very smart. And then that is the kind of guy that grows up to be this really defensive, like toxic Al- male, Al-
1: Rick. yeah, yeah, and tries to. I'm sorry, tries to tell Zoe Kazan her business. Excuse me, yeah,
0: he's oh, so, he's so
1: awful. Oh, to her. I hated that. She was like, I did not hairspray my bangs for this.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, everything she says and does, he, like, judges, and it's really... But, like, in a really harsh way, and not in, like, a... Like, the way that Olive does. Right, right. Like, in a very, like, abusive way. Yeah. So, who next? we talk about Rosemary DeWitt for, like, ten seconds? Well, I want to talk about her more than 10 seconds. Well, (laughs) so Rosemary DeWitt, who has the name of an 89 year old, and I always expect her to be 89. And then she comes on the screen and I'm like, no, you're like 20, like you're, you're, you're early 30s. Like she's so good. She's, she's never, ever, ever bad. True. I think the only way that she would be bad, maybe, is if they had her like, try to do an accent or like a dialect or like do like a period piece that wasn't like in the like mid century to now. Yeah. Cause she can play sixties. She can do fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. Yep. Um, I don't know if I'd buy her as like a flapper. Maybe I would, probably I would. I don't know if I would buy her anywhere before like nineteen twenty. There's just a little bit too much there.
0: Yeah.
1: But uh, if you guys know of like any period pieces that she's been in where she's like Edwardian or like anywhere. That's not
0: really her wheelhouse though. No. Nah, she's always doing she's like the indie like,
1: 60s. I mean. Well, cool,
0: Mad Men. Well,
1: famously in Mad Men. Yeah, exactly. Oh, she's um, so good in Mad Men. Oh my God. She's so brilliant. Midge. What does she say? A hundred different ways of saying "I love you," Grandma.
0: Yeah. Oh.
1: <laughs> and was okay. it
0: Donna's like, "What do women want
2: mm-hmm.
1: to not
0: be asked that question?"
1: <laughs> hmm. Hello. <laughs> yeah. I wish that Midge had stuck around a little bit more. Except for like when she comes, she comes by in like what season three, and she's like, super addicted to heroin. And she says my other favorite line from that role. It's like drinking a crate of whiskey while somebody licks your tits.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh god. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say less. <laughs> All your heroin dealer now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a great character. Yeah. She's so good. Yeah.
1: Um, but it, she's phenomenal in this as well. And she
0: really kind of kicks off like the show's whole ethos about mental illness because this is a woman who needs very serious medical help. You know, she's undiagnosed, schizophrenic, bipolar. Um,
1: and you think at first it is just like, oh, I'm down to the dumps. But then you realize... Right,
0: and that it it gradually comes to pass that you realize really the extent of that mental illness. And like the thing that Olive, like part of what I love about the character is that Olive's total unsentimentality around depression, around suicide, like because we find out early on that Olive lost her father to suicide she is the person that the people struggling with those things feel the safest with because there's something about her because she's not ever really going to be the one to simply prescribe, well, you know, go out for a walk, go take a breath of fresh air. It's always even more simple than that, which is like, get over it you know which is like not no. actually helpful but Pre- in that Pre- time control. when you have the pharmacist tell when you have doctors that won't diagnose you with anything because they don't they just don't have the knowledge yet uh and you know women were just crazy anyway but and then you have that moment of of Rosemary wit coming to the pharmacy and, and it's like one of the first scenes of the show
2: yeah
0: and she goes to Henry with a doc, a prescription for Valium, which is like her antidepressant at the time. Yeah. Uh, sort of a blanket, you know, opiate that you just take to knock you out. Um, And she tries to get a double, like a second prescription from Henry. And he is like, I can't do that. Like if I, like I'd have to call your doctor and, check this with him. Like, I'm not gonna double your dose. And she's like, oh, like, it saves me trips. Like, I don't have to come down here every week. And he's like, well, you know, maybe a, maybe a couple drives into town will do you some good. Maybe that's what you need to, you know, that always helps me going for a drive, helps me when I'm feeling blue. And she has this great line she's like, Henry, Blue Blue is what I I feel feel on the good good days. days. Girl. Come on. Oh, and then he's like, what's the wattage? What kind What wattage light bulbs are you using? And she's just like,
1: please shut up.
0: (laughs) Either give me these drugs or shut the fuck up. Literally. Because you're making me more suicidal right now with everything you say
1: every word that passes through your lips
0: right and it's just this this refrain that is echoed by her son by several people even christopher to an extent toward the end where it's just like you don't get it you don't actually get what the reality of this is you know and it's and olive does and she doesn't have any solutions for it and there's something that they're so grateful for that Olive doesn't even really try to give them solutions for it. She just right. talks to them, you know? And she cares for them. Like that's what, a beautiful thing that you find in part one. She knows Kevin Coulson, who is Rosemary DeWitt's son, who we then see as a like a 20 something, you know? They bring him home every day. His mother didn't come to pick her, him up. Olive is like, Kevin, you stay here. I need to go speak to your mother because Olive knows this woman might be dead in the bathtub right now. And luckily she's not that time, but she knows that's where this is going. And so like Olive is the only one who really has the the knowledge and the kind of unsentimental empathy that these people are craving that they're not getting from the medical professionals in their lives you know and that is so much the history of how depression is regarded where the answer for so long and for many people like for people in my parents generation where the answer is take a walk just take a walk and Have like yeah those things do help but when they're <laughs> presented as oh no you just need to you just need to dust the cobwebs out of there She's like, no, I am mentally ill. <laughs> like,
1: Well, and it's so funny because the people that are in her detention are like Kevin Colson and Doyle, who like one of them grows up to be a murderer and the other one grows up with like severe mental illness. So he, yeah. she, she's saying like, she's seeing these things in these people and being like, I'm going to keep you close yeah. so I don't have to see you like lose it. And then you see The fact that, like, the grandmother is, like, undermining that all the time. And, like, no wonder uh, Doyle ends up becoming a murderer. Like, he's being given that, you know.
0: There's no discipline.
1: Free space to do whatever he wants. And then when he finds, you know, a woman who doesn't do whatever he wants, he exacts his revenge, kind of, you know.
0: Yeah tales all the time
1: forward yep edgy and
0: yep all these motherfuckers
1: one i mean they're all white men from the midwest so real yeah
0: yeah and so then so i don't think we ever we don't find out about rosemary dewitt's suicide until we hear it from kevin as an adult right is that right so in episode two they're
1: in the they're in the car together and She's it's like, my
0: favorite scene of the series it's like i it, it sticks out in my mind so magical. much every time it's so magical. i think about this show um it's it's such an unbelievably well written and well acted scene it's so carefully observed of olive sees kevin colson who is played by um what the hell's his name he's in carol Like Corey something. Where
2: are you?
1: Yeah. Tall Paul. He's cutest. Yeah.
0: Corey Michael Smith. Mm. Um, He's on... He was on the show Gotham, I think, for a long time. But I know him mostly. He is the private investigator in Carol. Right. Sell notions. I'm doomed to remain without a sale. Um, But I first saw him in this. But he is like looking rough and olive runs into him at like the donut shop <clears throat> and she can kind of see he's a little strung out and she gets into the car with him and just sits next to him
1: she insists upon. she it.
0: insists upon it because does she see? Because he's got, like, a shotgun in the back seat. And-
1: he tries to cover it up, and she still sees, like, not the butt of the gun. She sees, like, the um, whatever the other part is. The nose. Yeah. What's the? The barrel? Barrel. Where's, where does the bullet come out of? I don't know, guns. The hole. The hole. I know yeah. holes. <laughs> I'm very familiar with holes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we've got to throw in a little comedy for our listeners. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, barrels yeah. and holes
0: oh my god the shaft and the hole
1: oh my god yeah that big shaft
0: oh well he, so he's got a gun in the backseat and Olive sees it and insists on getting in the car um or does she well it doesn't really matter but they have this whole conversation and she just is like catching up with them and she's talking about his mother. And again, it's just, you know, and she knows everything that everybody said to him after his mother died and all the words of sympathy and pity that were all caked in, well, we all knew that was gonna happen, (laughs) kind of language. And he's not, and he's like, yeah, of course I knew that was gonna happen. Of course I knew that was how my mom's life would end. I grew up with her. Uh, His concern is like, I'm growing up, I'm like her. I have this disorder and I can't handle it either.
1: I'm trying not to end like that, but I, I don't know how not to.
0: Right, you know, she like, I don't know how to just follow in her footsteps because there's, I, the only example I ever lived with was someone who was doing their best to manage it and couldn't, you know? And so he has fallen in and out of, I think it's implied that he was a drug addict. Uh, I don't, I, maybe I'm making that up, but there's this incredible moment in it where he's describing this relationship that he was in that has recently ended and the girl died by suicide. Um, And I can't remember. He describes, yeah, it's this very, it's a very vivid graphic way that she did it. And he describes it to Olive and rather than being like disturbed or horrified by that, Olive just goes, well, that's wacko, all right. And then she says, but I bet you couldn't get enough of her.
2: Mm.
0: And he like laughs and he's like, yeah, that's true. And like, there's that piece of it, like that Olive sees them as people. She sees like, I get it. I get why, I get the appeal of depression in yourself and in other people i get yeah. what is alluring about giving in to that darkness that's what O'Casey was that's like she fi- she she can appreciate the poetry of that
2: yeah but
0: she knows better than to go down that path you know she knows how to stop herself from going down that path and she's an intervention point in his life to stop him from going down that path and that rachel brosnahan falls off a cliff
1: which of course we can't swing a dead cat without uh finding rachel brosnahan somewhere embedded into all of these stories um whoever her agent is like
0: they're working hard
1: damn call me like yeah that is, um, but I think the smile, the, I, I think what you're referring to is like the smiley face thing.
0: Yeah. I didn't want to describe it because it's,
1: I don't think that's how, I don't think that he's describing how she killed herself, but I think that that is an event that happened. Oh, that's because that doesn't seem like, I think, I think that would take like a lot, that would take like a lot to like, commit to all of that I think that it's like like a in a in a self-harming kind of situation she carved that at some point while they were together and then oh. she killed herself I, I that was just my read but your read can be completely different from mine um that seems like a very like
0: it,
1: it doesn't seem like a very like efficient way to <laughs> yeah. no but sure. but still, you know who knows.
0: I think like the last big piece of the show mm. is
2: the Bill Murray. Bill Murray
0: is the Bill Murray part. First of all, Francis McDormand, Bill Murray, Match sign made. me up. They're so good together. Their chemistry is so good. I love him in this. Like, oh, they're so funny together. And when he's just like, yeah, I don't know. Like their sarcasm is like so perfectly matched. It's just such a joy to watch them on screen together.
1: Completely. Um, Like, indie darlings who've made their way to big movies, like, by happenstance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I love them in Moonrise Kingdom. I love them in this. Like, they're just always a great pair. Um, So, Bill Murray plays Jack Kennison, who is another man who lives in this town. He's very wealthy. He's a Republican, which becomes a big thing. Um, and he has recently lost his wife. And this is a few months after all of his lost Henry. And because I, I, we've talked around it, but just to, like to clarify, like, so Henry has a stroke and becomes um, like in a vegetative state, basically like he, can still hear you and everything, Those but he's he's, he's like non-responsive.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and then he does eventually pass mm-hmm. away while all of is visiting their son. Right, which is a great scene when she comes back and and finds out about it. Um,
1: and she's like, "You let you you kept me on the phone." Talking to my dead husband, like that's right, it's so yeah.
0: good, yeah. And so, then some months later, she meets Bill Murray. He has like fallen over off of a bench.
1: One, because she was going to end her life.
0: That's that same day.
1: I, I, I thought so. That she might be right. She gets interrupted in her suicide attempt and then finds him collapsed and like gets him help.
0: Yeah. And then suddenly her life opens another door. And it's very similar because it, it does very much parallel what happens with Kevin Coulson. Right. Where his suicide attempt is going. interrupted by Olive but then more by the donut shop girl going over the side of the cliff into the water and he wow. goes in and saves her and suddenly he's a town hero. Right. Uh, and Olive has that experience too, where her her suicide attempt is interrupted by these children who come upon her in the
1: woods. Which was like a witch. to Kevin Coulson. Yeah, where should like, people, k- kids live in that house? Like, you want them to find you. Yeah, and it's oh, like wow, yeah. her own good advice is like coming back to thwart her attempt to take her own life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: which this is why I mean, oof! You want to you want to go there with me? You're gonna get it all. I think that there should 100 be a form that you can fill out that says like. I am ready to go. This is the way I want to do it. Like inject me with the quickest, most pain, painless thing. I am. I'm good. Thank you. Love me. Like, I I, I don't understand why we do not in, in this day and age, why we don't have that kind of autonomy, like because of debt, because, because we owe money to somebody is that, that's really the reason you're going to hold that over somebody's head to like, have, like, a safe and careful death. Hmm. Like, what if you find out you're sick? What if you find, like, there are so many reasons right. to, like, you know what I mean? I'm not advocating for suicide. I'm advocating for, like, assisted suicide that is, like, clean and safe.
0: Right, when you're, like, my quality you of life have, is... don't
1: have to walk into you, like, with your head in the oven. You know what I mean? Like, my right. God, heaven. But anyway, Well, and
0: that's so much the argument around what happens to Henry, right? Because it's exactly. just, like, Olive knows, like, you know, she has that. Oh, the other scene we didn't talk about, what is that scene with the grandmother? Which I'm Ooh. thinking of now because she, Olive comes back from that meeting and gets in bed with with the vegetative Henry and tells him all about it. And then she, it kind of winds its way to her just being like, "You can die now, sweetheart." Like,
1: yeah, she like you gives can die. To go, yeah.
0: And it's this great moment where it's like she's so desperate for him to die, right? Like, like, because she can't take it anymore, and because she just is like, "I don't know. I don't know how to help you anymore." There's like, this is worse. This is worse than
1: being alive and sad like my my line is if i can't wipe my own ass literally just chuck me off a cliff throw me into the river like i don't i don't give a fuck you know what i mean if i make it to 70 i will be shocked no i'm like you know mental health is uh it's you know it's that uh 16 sided die that you're constantly moving across the floor it's like yeah is it is it today's fitness tomorrow is nutrition the next day is like therapy the other day is faith the next is like walking in nature like you know you're constantly moving this 16 sided die around in order to keep yourself healthy it's not just like a one a one thing fix all yeah it's mom. not just Let's be real. taking a drive into town. It, it, it's not just like, mm, cold, fresh air will fill your lungs and make you feel good. Like, right. sure. And it's not
0: just me. like, and by Christopher's experience, it's not just a therapist helping you realize your mom was toxic.
1: And then like confronting your mom about it. Like, right. That's right. like you're not going to have that one day and then like, oh my God, I'm, I'm good. Like, right. And I think
0: that's the thing with like what I was saying at the very beginning about my own experience with therapy, like the, the, whatever kind of you want to call it. I don't know that I've ever, I would consider myself as ever having had like breakthroughs in therapy,
2: Sure.
0: but the message that I, that has resonated with me the most that has done the most for my own sense of peace and improving my relationships, particularly with my parents, yeah. um, is like your, like this idea that you will and somehow be healed by confronting them and demanding that accountability from them. And it's not to say like, keep your mouth shut and don't ever tell them right. how they've, hurt you or how they've harmed you as you continue to go through life recognize those moments when they happen and deal with them productively in that moment right but like what christopher does of going to her and saying these are all the ways you fucked me up how, whatever he wants from her, he doesn't know what he wants from her in response exactly. to that is the issue. Exactly. But what is absolutely certain, without any shadow of a doubt, is that he will never actually get it.
1: Because whatever he thinks he wants
0: her. out of her will never ever come, because that's not how it works. That kind of healing can only happen in yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you saying? Responsible. Her response will never be what he wants it to be.
0: Right, and even if yeah. she were to say it, what is it going to do? How does it move you like, forward?
1: You, like, literally, what do you do? Like, right? Like, oh, all of the doors and windows opened, and she becomes this like, yes, Christopher, of course you're c-. like, no, right. like you know the person you're dealing with, like, right? You know. I I just think
0: with all of that
1: kind of stuff. My mother for things that she's done because I genuinely can see where she like has been like at a crossroads and said, I'm going to do this because I think it's genuinely going to be better. I don't say like, because of that choice, I am now blah, blah, blah. Right. I can say, well, you know, these were the consequences of that choice. Because of that, I had to deal with like whatever, but like I also understand that you were literally trying to do your best, and like exactly you and that's un- the most you can, you can offer anybody, call. you know. Like the you most it, you did it like you did it without having anybody telling you exactly what to do. Right. There was no rule book, there's no like you know what I mean, right? All she wanted to do was like to get us out of Utica and like have like some semblance of a life, right? Like I can't I can't blame her for that. She, right. I actually, like, thank her for that because, like, if I, you know, sure, I grew up in, like, Corn Hill in Utica. Like, what what chance did I have then? You know yeah. what I mean?
0: But it is that thing where it's just, like, you do have to get to a point where you separate those things. Where, like, the trauma is, of course, real. And this is, like, a conversation I've had with my mom a lot where, like, you know, my dad, God, we're really really just airing it all out right now, but like, let's have it, you know, my dad lost his entire family in the space of about five years. He lost his brother to AIDS. And then he lost his, both of his parents within about a year and a half of each other when I was about six. And, and then that left him only with his monstrously abusive sister as the only person he had left. Uh, When I was like seven and my father is having these wild mood swings where he is furious for seemingly no reason, there's no way to explain to me as a seven-year-old all of the things that are in his life at that moment on top of his own mental health struggles. Like I was a teenager before I found out that my father was on antidepressants. Like it was so covert. And there was just this whole protection of like protection. And also I was just too young to understand. I could only understand he's, my dad's being really scary right now. And I don't know how to make sense of this. But now at 30, I've gotten to an age where I can understand my parents are human beings. And I think you've had this experience with your parent also of just like, you know what she was up against. You know what she was struggling with. Like the the best gift you can offer your parent as an adult child, you know, like when you become an adult is realizing like i'll g- I have to believe that you were doing your best i I have to believe that
1: right, at least like a modicum of understanding
0: I've done a, a work on myself where like like making those connections is important and understanding what your responses are to things, whether you want to call them trauma responses or whatever you know there's a there's absolutely a value in like doing that work, Mm -hmm. but I also think that the show, like it pulls up the two extreme versions of that, of zero versus what Christopher's doing, where he thinks he has solved all of this. He thinks he has outsmarted all of his trauma,
2: but he still fucking
0: hates his mother and he still has ruined that relationship. And like, you have this great scene with Francis McDormand and Bill Murray where they're at dinner together and they're both talking about their children who they haven't spoken to in like over a year. Mm-hmm. And it's this contrast where uh, Bill Murray's daughter is a lesbian and is living with clear, like her wife or partner. And he, he doesn't speak to her because he doesn't approve of that lifestyle right and that's the example where it's like no your daughter is right to choose not to speak to you and the onus is on you as the parent to grow up and like get over that and olive gives him that message where she's just like my son not talking to me is our own bullshit you're you refusing to speak to your daughter is like a your daughter making a healthy decision for herself to cut you out of her life but she still is like you're the grown-up you're the parent get over it that's your child you know so it is this interesting contrast of like are we to blame do we all we do is just fuck up our kids and sh- for her to then be the voice of like you're an asshole, you know, where I, it's just sort of this flip script where, where I think she has so much such a chip on her shoulder about, or, you know, or has all these complicated feelings about Christopher not speaking to her. But then when she hears Bill Murray's reasons for not speaking to his daughter, you know, she has this, she has this moment of like, oh no, you suck. <laughs> like, you know, you have to make this right, which she doesn't feel about Christopher. She doesn't feel like it's up to her to make that right.
1: Right. She finds his, she finds his reason like unconscionable. Right. And not just because of her own like beliefs, but just like, like that was like sort of, it's something my, I mean, not to again, talk from my personal experience, but like, it's something my mom, my mom has said of like, if, since I sort of was the one to be like you know what Carlo I'm not gonna I'm not reaching out I'm not coming to family things I'm not going to answer your calls I'm not going to answer your texts my mom was sort of like if that was if I was on the other end of that like there would not be like a moment where I didn't sort of say like I'm always here you know I'm going to contact you every year on your birthday. I don't care how you feel about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not that I'm like asking him to do that because I think that that's kind of like manipulative and annoying. but like, yeah, like from from Olive's perspective, like there's no there's no way she would let Christopher like get away with that.
2: right, right. Yeah.
1: And it's more reason why I truly think that like, I gave my dad something that he like could never like truly admit that he wanted was he like didn't want to be a dad. So like yeah. why why would I force the, like why would I create this like fake history that happened? Like, cool, we had some like holidays together and like you took me to Washington DC once. Like, yeah. Shit.
0: Well, and everything you're saying is making me think of another piece that I I'm actually surprised has taken this long to come up in our conversation. Uh, The lost daughter.
1: Oh my God.
0: Because that's also so much of what that's about is just like. This person who should probably never have become a parent.
1: Exactly. Who
0: realizes that she should never have become a parent. And. Honestly, probably the healthiest choice those daughters could have made as adults Mm -hmm. is being like, I don't know that I want to have a relationship with you, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and, and that, that she has no bones about, about expressing the selfishness of all of her choices in that time of her life, the selfishness of leaving and the selfishness of coming back
1: of staying. Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: but yeah, it's just these, these
0: unquestioned social scripts of like, I have kids, I have to have kids, you know, and, and not think about it and not think about whether that's actually what I want. And like, I don't know, I don't know that Olive is somebody who like would have ever considered not wanting a child but there is still like part of what is resonates with me a lot about her thinking about like my own grandmother is just like, like, like the question would have never even occurred to them. The question of what are, you know, this idea yeah. of whether or not you're a maternal person, which Olive clearly is not, but what does that even mean? You know?
1: Well, that's like something again, like, not to go too hard on like the personal experience my grandmother and my grandfather were like bonkers balls crazy in love with each other like could not get enough could not get enough of each other Mm -hmm. but because they were both catholic like there was no birth control like you know they had five fucking kids and it was like i think the two of them would have been way way happier even though you know at times they were like really great parents but like the stories i hear i'm like neither of them were like really ready for five fucking kids right like you know i don't know i think they they probably would have been happier to just like live and work and like fuck whenever they wanted to and like yeah. do you know what I mean like do all of those things without the added because like my grandmother went fucking crazy after she had like any like her first kid who happened to be my mother and then like the crazy continued and then just like you know then my grandfather was working all the time and it was like the same sort of like it was like this weird like cycle of like mm-hmm oh my god of just you know, this
0: unquestioned pattern like
1: both of them ca- came from families where like neither of their families wanted them to marry each other like they're both of their families were super jealous of them like it was like a very weird very fucked up like situation happening in Cornhill in utica new york so like you know who yeah. knows but
0: but that's true mike that's true of Frankly, oh, both of those sets of grandparents, yeah. where it's just like you didn't. I'm trying to think of. There was a review of the movie Revolutionary Road. Oh shit! That had some line in it that is like, for whatever reason, really like stuck with me. Where it's just like, I think especially for like the baby boomer generation watching Revolutionary Road and like Mad Men was out at the same time, and it was like this whole moment where it was time for the boomers to get the to art about boomers, their parents yeah and you know of course revolutionary road was like written in the 1950s and then this movie came out in 2007 but a there's a line part. in this review that is like how how do you begin the work of understanding your parents when they had n- no desire to understand themselves. Exactly. How do you bridge that gap? And to me, that is what all of Kittredge is is about. It's, totally. you know, for Lisa Cholodenko, for the people writing this and working on this and looking at that generation that, that raised them, how do I, reconcile myself to, and how do I better understand the people that raised me while accepting that they, they don't, they never would have made this effort for themselves. You know, like here we are in this age of like every other every millennial like is in therapy like we're all in therapy and we all should be every person should be in therapy like I'm a big advocate for all of that but it's just like at what point does it become an overcorrection for the generation prior to us you know like but that is that's the effort you're making right is I want to better understand these people who did not understand themselves Mm -hmm you
1: know i also am not one of those people who is like oh my work is my therapy like theater is no, there that's not I, helpful I, either. I, I reject that idea that theater is therapy wholeheartedly yeah
0: no
1: that is not that is not meant to be therapy for you as the writer director actor whatever that is that is meant to be therapy for the fucking audience mm-hmm. they are they are the ones who are meant to have like a cathartic response to what is happening you are not that is not your job do your fucking job i agree anyway i agree anyway
0: but my god we've really run the gamut here
1: i live i live for this
0: i knew it would be i was like oh god i'm gonna like talk i'm like overshare about my dad yeah i knew that i knew that going in it's such a beautiful series
1: yeah, it's a very, like, graceless look at, like, a life. Like, go into it. It, it. Enjoy the weirdness and the messiness and, like, the friction. Like, that's what, that's kind of what you want from, like, most works.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's just very lived in. It just feels like life. And yeah. it just feels, it feels like life. you know... I know we were texting about this. Where to me, this feels very much like a thematic, like a precursor to Mayor of Easttown.
2: Mm, yeah.
0: To at least like the specificity of the world of it, mm. where this feels like an absolutely real community. There is a shared history. Yeah. That I'm watching this in the present tense of the show, but I can feel the past that informs this present.
1: Yeah, it feels like a sister to like Mildred Pierce. Yes. It
0: feels like a kind of a connecting thread between Mildred oh. Pierce and Meravies Town. Like, and the thing oh. that I like about this that is really interesting to me when you look at Meravese Town, where it's like Meravistown has like the, the mystery element of it and the crime yeah. and like all of this, like really intense, like blood pumping, like action. And there is real like, like constant stakes. And like, to me, there is something even braver about a show like Olive Kidridge, where it's like, nope, it's just four hours of Frances McDormand. Living. Just living, just a, just a life. <laughs> it's just about
1: this here, one here woman's
0: life. Yeah. and it's 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 such a testament to a complete truth about great writing and great storytelling which is the more specific something is the more universal it is
1: and finding the will to live what is right. your what is your reason for living and mm-hmm. she at several different points could have absolutely given it up mm-hmm. um and then you see in each each episode kind of like when she chooses to like keep on with it, yeah, and the final piece being like she finds this person with whom she doesn't really have any philosophical, um, connection to, but he sparks something in her, yeah, that she hasn't felt since Henry, since O'Casey. yeah, and she chooses to to continue with life with him. Yeah. Which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah it is. And it's just so it's just so understated, you know. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: And it's not because of him, it's because of her.
0: Right. You know, she just what... finds herself in this moment. Yeah. And is like
1: she says wait there is actually more here for me.
0: I want to stick around and find out.
1: Yeah. There's there's a lot there's a lot that I can Still do,
0: yeah.
1: Ah. Oh, it's such a beautiful oh. show. Ah. Go watch all of Kittridge. It won all I, the Emmys I mean, that year. Wait, okay. We need to talk about the awards because yeah, we kind of
0: talked about Zoe, it.
1: Did Zoe win anything for I this? Don't think so I don't think she. That did. makes me very sad.
0: Let me find out though.
1: She could have won everything. I can't
0: wait to see her and Carrie Mulligan in, she said.
1: Talk to me.
0: Do you know about this?
1: Oh yeah, based yeah. on that book, right?
0: Yeah, they're playing um, Jody Cantor and Megan Tui. Hashtag. Okay, so it won. Oh yeah, okay. It won several. Lead actor in a limited series for Richard Jenkins, actress for Frances McDormand, supporting actor for Bill Murray. Zoe Kazan was nominated for supporting actress in a limited series, but did not win. I don't know who won though. I'd have to look deeper into that. And then Lisa Cholodenko, Jane Anderson, they won. And so did the casting, editing, and... uh, yeah, so when directing, writing, casting, editing, and then it ultimately won Outstanding Limited Series. And it was nominated but didn't win Zoe Kazan for supporting costumes, main title design, makeup, and hairstyling. It lost those. Oh, okay. Zoe Kazan lost to Regina King <sighs> oh. for a mini-series that was around at that time called American Crime.
1: Wow. God, John John Hamm won that year? This is like Mm -hmm. a big year.
0: Oh, yeah, because that was um,
1: was the final series. John Ham, Veep, Veep, Olive Kitts, Julia, Louis Dreyfus, Uzo, Aduba, Allison Janney, Peter Dinklage, Francis... Armando Yanucci. god damn this is like this is like a who is who of like things I love yeah all right oh all right
0: thank you Carl
1: thank you Catherine just like me they
2: long to be close to you hi sweetie I haven't seen you before. You here for the wedding? No. I'm just here to listen to you. That's why all the girls in town